0: Hello everybody, this is the third episode of Bounce Back with Neema Mankar. Mask your sorrows, unmask your joys, says our guest today, Mr. Nitin Bhatt. He is an engineer by profession. He has worked with a German multinational company, where he made his mark with his expertise in the field of medical instruments. What we admire about him is his unique skill to translate very interesting stories and anecdotes from English to Gujarati. The Sunday editions of newspapers always have his popular writings. He has translated 12 famous English books in Gujarati. This includes bestsellers like the Pollyanna, And many popular thrilling books of Agatha Christie. So, hello and a big welcome to you, Mr. Nitin Bhatt.
1: Thank you, Anima madam. I'm very happy to join you on this
0: podcast. It is my privilege to have you here with us. Well, Nitin Bhai, just yesterday I read your post on Facebook saying that your 12th recently translated book got published. The book titled 11 minutes by the internationally renowned author Paulo Coelho of Alchemist fame. Congratulations. We would love to hear more about it.
1: Uh, Thank you, Madam, for your congratulations. Yes, it was a pleasure to be able to translate a book by Paulo Coelho. And this was unique in a way because it's a story about a young girl who looks for love she is afraid that it might hurt her. She lands up in a big city and unfortunately gets caught in the prostitution business to make the ends meet. And the novel essentially elaborates the physical relationship between the male and female and the way it has degraded over the years to be either as a contest or as a mechanical procedure or at worst a commercial one. So the author tries to elaborate through this lady's character, that it's actually a divine meeting between the hearts and also the souls. This is the theme of the novel. It was a challenge to translate it in a very sober way, in a very sort of uh, decent language, while retaining its uh, Shringar value, as they say in Sanskrit. And I hope you like it.
0: I'm sure it's going to be Really welcomed by everyone, and all are going to enjoy it. So, we wish to know something about your childhood, your family, your education, and your profession.
1: Actually, as they say, I was born with a proverbial silver spoon, but with a difference. This silver spoon belonged to Saraswati ji and not Lakshmi ji. I was born in a family of highly educated people. My grandfather, paternal grandfather, did his masters from Elphiston University way back in 1906. And he established three educational institutes of great repute like Dakshanamurthy in Bhavnagar. On the other side, my maternal grandfather was a great literary figure who introduced one-act play in Gujarati. My mother was a diploma holder from Miranda House, Delhi College. And my father was a graduate from Tata Institute of Social Science. So I was privileged to be born in a family of academicians who were highly educated, but as luck would have it, I lost this treasure at a very young age in the sense that by the time I was 13 years old, I had lost my parents as also these two eminent grandfathers. So it was actually like to be born with a great treasure, but having lost every penny of it, that was the situation. I completed my education in electronics engineering, and then joined a multinational, Carl Zeiss, that is a German firm, who are leaders in optoelectronic instruments, and worked for their medical instruments division, and put in about 40 years, in the industry. That's about my education and family.
0: To lose parents at a young age is the biggest setback anyone can face. How did you cope with it? Uh, I would say that I was very lucky to have a family
1: where my paternal uncles and aunties and maternal uncles and aunties brought us up. Us means I have two siblings, a brother and a sister, and three of us, were brought up very affectionately by our uncles and aunties. And yes, let me add that after my father expired, my mother survived for seven more years and she took great care of us and instilled the feeling of strength in us. We were deprived of a father at a young age and she was so strong in character that she imbibed the feeling of independence in us. And then after my mother expired, our uncle and aunties and grandmothers took great care of us, always encourages us to study well. So I just can't overpraise their support in this. And yes, of course, let me add in the same breath that own strength is all side to overcome such
0: traumatic incident. Is it because of your optimistic outlook and a witty nature that you could conquer all the hurdles and obstacles and bounce back to success? I would
1: definitely emphatically say yes to this. Optimistic outlook plays a very, very vital role. And this is something that I've learned from my own experience because my life was like a roller coaster, not only in family circumstances, but even in my academic career also. Like, (laughs) of course, now my thoughts are totally different as far as ranks and topping and distinctions and awards go. But back in those days in school, I was always a topper. I fortunately never lost an optimistic outlook. Once again, basically imbibed by my mother in me that something is always going to happen for good. Vity nature is also required because over the years I have found that we become extremely serious for no reason at all. And this is where the witty nature can really help you out to overcome something because it teaches you not to take anything too seriously. At the end of the day, at the end of it all, you are but a blip on this large canvas that the creator rescated So nothing whatsoever of very great importance is going to happen. Keep a witty nature to take things lightly is always helpful. But this does not mean that you become careless or you become ungrateful. Oh, so it is very essential that whatever you deem as a hurdle at any age of time, it is easier to conquer it, it is easier to overcome it if you always believe that something good is going to happen. Like, for example, let me elaborate. I think Steve Dev told that sometimes we feel that this traumatic experience has happened in my life or that I have failed in this exam or that I have taken this course unnecessarily. But in future, you can always Connect the dots. Everything happens for a purpose, provided you do it very sincerely. This is the underlying message that whatever you are doing, you should do it with full honesty, as they say, hand on your heart and then the outcome will always be pleasant. That's my experience.
0: Absolutely, I agree with you. Do please share with us a few unforgettable moments of your life I recall a funny incident where you entered an operation theater to give some instructions on some medical instrument.
1: Yes, you are very right. Uh, Madam, I must congratulate you for your memory because I had elaborated this on my Facebook page. This is unforgettable in a way that it was little comic also because nowadays a lot of marketing gimmicks are going on not only in your household products but even in medical field. We will not debate whether it is good, bad, or useful or not useful. But if you are aware, if you have undergone any eye surgery, cataract surgery, or if you have known about it, you would know that cataract is now removed through a stitchless surgery. So this is something that is elaborated very, very vividly by doctors and clinics. So one day as I entered the operation theater, because mainly I've been dealing with ophthalmologists, my work field has been essentially ophthalmologic. Instrument. As I entered the operation theatre, doctor told me that Nitin Bai, I am about to finish the surgery. Couple of stitches only. Now he was doing a vitreo-retinal surgery, which is to do with the retina. So, as the persons concerned with ophthalmology would understand, that such surgery can never be stitchless. But the patient under local anesthesia and not general anesthesia immediately said, "Hey, I suppose this was to be done in a stitchless way." So. This was, in a way, a very unique experience and another experience where instruments can really help. I went to a charitable hospital to give a demonstration of optical coherence tomography instrument, which actually enables you to see the structure of the eye in detail. Now, an emergency case came up. A small piece of glass got embedded in the eye of a kid. And his parents immediately rushed in and showed him the image was taken with this instrument. But the problem was that this instrument works on the light principle, reflection of the light. It is not easy to perceive the contrast. And it was very vital to know the location of this small piece of glass to save the eye of the kid. So what we did was took the image and then I immediately changed the contrast. It is possible to change the contrast. And location of the piece of possible and it could be removed third incident i would like to narrate as i was talking to a doctor he showed me something in his hand and it was actually a air bullet you know those air bullets are generally used for shooting the birds or at least taking aims and all you may be aware about it yes the doctor showed all air gun bullet and asked me where he would have got it from and i said naturally from any shop. So he just smiled ruefully and told me that Nitin, I recovered this from the eye of a patient. I was aghast and astounded as to how a bullet could lodge in the eye and still come come out of it without damaging the eye. Sometimes you never know what will happen. I mean, in some of the strangest stories I have heard in medical science, because my experience is not only was ophthalmology but neurosurgery also. And I have known the human body in great detail, particularly the eye and the brain. And I'm astounded, just astounded at the creation. You can't even begin to think how much our brain is capable of, or for them matter how much our eye is capable of. And when somebody is going to be saved, you call it fate, you call it divine energy, or you call it whatever, he would be saved. Like this particular guy who received the bullet, did not receive the bullet injury. And sometimes for the flimsiest reason that you may perceive, person dies also. So these are the strange experiences I have had in my unforgettable incidences in my medical career.
0: Yes, I just don't know how to react. The first one was so hilarious. Second and the third are really amazing, so shocking. can't imagine how the situation would have been. You are very popular with children. Your workshops are something the students always look forward to. Uh, I would say that it is entirely my pleasure. Once again,
1: I thank all children who came in my life for just feeding or for thus nurturing my positive outlook towards the life, my optimistic outlook. You have been a teacher, Nima Madam, and you have been a teacher of eminence. So I don't need to elaborate that just looking at any kid doing anything fills you with joy and fills you with hope. Because kids teach you to be happy without reason. Kids teach you to love without reason. Kids teach you to accept you for what you are and not what they expect you to be. This is very, very important. Moment somebody grows up even your close friends also expect you to behave in certain manners but not the kids and i love to interact with them and it's god's blessing to me that even those kids who i have never met in my life also come and interact with me easily now about my workshop that's a very unique initiative by vadodara innovation council which is called tod ford and jord i like the name also Here, what we do is we go to schools and teach them how to dismantle any household gadget, like say, water purifier, water pump, the fan, the electric ion, like this, 10 devices are picked up, five devices are taken at a time, and a group of 25 students is taught five in each group, how that device is opened up, what is the working principle of it, how each component performs and what is the outcome and then they reassemble it so it is stored, Ford and stored, and where kids get to open the device using various tools understand the significance of each component and here once again i would say that it develops head and hands also the heart because they have to work in collaboration with their colleague so this is once again a very enriching experience for me that Some of the students, I've been to municipal corporation schools also where students can't read or write even when they are in 5th or 6th standard, even in Gujarati. But they were very handy with these devices. They could open it up very easily, fit it back very efficiently. So all in all, it has been a very, very enriching experience. And I would strongly recommend each listener be childlike, not childish, but childlike. It will really, really help you out.
0: That's true. Yeah. Hands-on experience is actually the true education a person can get. And uh, that is what uh, you have been giving the children. So that's really commendable.
1: We conducted something similar in Baroda High Schools also, which was called Do-It-Yourself. And this Do-It-Yourself, actually we taught girls how to change the scooter tire and boys how to prepare a breakfast so i'm reminded of that and this became very popular
0: with parents also the gujarati book lovers are so fortunate to be able to enjoy the exciting books of agatha christie because you translated them into gujarati it must be a tedious work we are so impressed by your skill translation of books specifically requires a special kind of talent. Apart from having a mastery on both the languages, one has to have an aesthetic sense and an artistic approach to portray the perfect image of characters as per the book. Please throw some more light on this.
1: You have caught the gist of the essential of translation, madam, I must say. And you are very right that translation of book and specifically pertaining to a, a specific arena of the uh, literature, like, say, crime thrillers or self help books and all that, requires some understanding. In a way, it can prove tedious if you are not interested in it in the first place. I mean, see, I did get offered to translate some of the books, and after I read them halfway, I politely said that, sorry, I cannot translate this because you need to. Really be interested in that. You really need to like the content. And main thing is that to write anything at all, let alone translate, you need to read a lot. When you read about 100-200 books, you are able to write maybe an article. So, and as far as translation goes, I have always focused on what Gujarati is called nuvad. It is never a verbatim translation. And I've also seen some very funny examples due to this Google translator. Some of the, I would say, inverted comma, courageous publishers have published some books, which has very wrong and very awkward meanings of the title itself. Like, for example, I tell you a very famous crime thriller, Murder on the Links. Now, this is about the golf link, golf course link, but the title was translated at Kadi means this rings that you might wear on your fingers. So such translations make you sort of feel bad. At the same time, it might bring in some laughter. also. Famous novel thriller by Agatha Christie, that is Murder on Orient Express. I had to see that the flavor of the train journey, the flavor of various people from different countries who are traveling, their dialogue, their way of dressing up, their behavior, Everything I had to keep in mind and do the Bhavanwad, bring it in Gujarati. Something similar happened with Poliana also, and I'm happy that people have appreciated my effort. In five years, fifth reprint has already been done of Poliana, and uh, Poliana actually was firstly translated way back in 1973 by another Gujarati translator. But my translation has received a good response from the readers, and I'm happy about it. So. Yes, you said mastery of both language is also essential in that it should appear that this is not translation at all. And yes, I got inspiration from my mother's uncle. As I said, I was very fortunate to belong to a family where great literary persons were born. My mother's uncle was a teacher and he translated Jules Verne's Adventures way back in 1930s and 40s. And this was amazing work at th- those times. Those books are still popular. They're into their 15th and 16th reprints. And as I grew up reading his books, I felt that this is an adventure by Gujarati people only. Even though the names were Harding and Spillert and Pencroft and all, I felt that Harding is my next door name because the language was so simple. So when I attempted this Pollyanna translation or some translations before that, A very great literary person from Bhavnagar wrote back to me that, Nitin Bhai, your translation doesn't look that it's a translation and this is the best compliment. This is how all about translation, madam.
0: I've come across a very interesting view. According to a Russian proverb, it is said that translation of books is like a woman. If she is faithful... She is not beautiful. If she is beautiful, she is not faithful. Please share your <laughs> views on this. Uh,
1: uh, it's a googly actually, madam, because whenever we talk about ladies and particularly the beauty and the faithfulness, we have to be careful. But yes, as a statement, I respect that person's view. But my take on that would be that if you have a clear concept of what you are going to translate as a whole, not merely a paragraph or a chapter. And if you catch the gist of the story, then when you translate it, then I think you can retain the beauty as well as the faithfulness in its own flavor in the translated language. You need to modify certain content, like for example, some of the elaborations are very very long you know in some novels and you have to once again the biggest challenge is that you are translating something which was written way back in 1930s 40s and 50s and now there is a paradigm shift in the way people live in the way technology is perceived and all that so we have to keep that in mind and this is where i would say that you are able to retain the beauty and the faithfulness by using a language which is acceptable to the current reader like my first couple of translations had lot of Gujarati words which were not in sort of tune with what the youngsters speak nowadays even when in our normal conversation you will find that even when we are speaking maybe Gujarati or Maharashtrian or any Hindi language lot of English words crop up because that is the way the situation is right now so I have now started using those popular English words very frequently in my translation without affecting the flavor of Gujarati. So this is my way of actually trying to balance between beauty and the faithfulness and it's up to my readers to judge whether I've been able to do some justice to it. You have explained it so well in such
0: an enchanting and an impressive way. I wish to know much more about you some call you the master who knows all unfortunately time is moving on but before we end our talk sir i would like you to act as a rudder to our listeners who are right now sailing rough seas your words of wisdom are going to make a whale of a difference to them as far as the master
1: part goes I would say that uh, Jack of All would be a little more apt title. But anyway, I mean, uh, I don't know if I deserve either a master or a Jack title. And as far as the sailing in rough sea goes, everybody encounters it. And all I can say is that hold your head high and look up. When you are in a rough sea, it is not merely the sea that is surrounding you. There is a sky, there are stars. There is a horizon, there is a hope, there is some greenery somewhere. So don't just look at those crashing waves and feel depressed that, oh, what is going to happen? Because whatever is going to happen, you may not be able to avoid it. You have to tackle it. As i said right in the beginning of my talk some of the circumstances are not in your hands and some of the things are self-created so try and avoid self-created doubts misnomers and feeling that okay you may not be up to anything good no you are here for a purpose keep faith and as i said when in rough sea keep looking at the north star or at least hold your head high you may be able to see a lighthouse in distance. And that would guide you what to do. And do something that really pleases you. But my next sentence, I would like to underline 10 times without hurting anybody. That basic discipline we have to have that, okay, I would like to sing something. I would like to dance. I would like to do anything. I would play basketball. I would like to go swimming. Do all of that. But don't hurt anybody don't interfere in anybody else's life and find a joy and it's not necessary that you have a passion for something then you may not like any other thing keep your mind open like i always believed that knowing about some other languages or is not for me i was in i am going to be an engineer and i want to do something in electronics and i want to design great things and all But then I started, I mean, I just started reading everything again more intensely. I found that, no, this is something I like. And therefore, I just went for it. So my message to all friends who are listening is that first, there always be rough sea, maybe every day, maybe every year, or maybe not at all for 10 years. But don't, Perceive any rough scene. If you feel that somebody is not giving you attention or somebody is talking to you rudely, try and avoid that. And you will find that life is really, really worth living.
0: Yes, our listeners, I'm sure, are very happy to get all the good advice from you. Thank you very much, Nitin Bhai, for a very enlightening talk.
1: I hope I'll be able to meet the expectations of first you And then the listeners.
0: Yes, of course, you will. Dear listeners, if you found this talk inspiring, then do tune in again the 3rd of next month to Bounce Back with Neema Mankar. Please remember to share and subscribe. I would also like to thank Manan and Elvis for their technical support.